0: So good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me uh, on Facebook or Instagram Live, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you for being here. And welcome to my new series uh, on Tuesday mornings here in Thailand, Monday evenings. Uh, I'm doing a talk on loving kindness, and I've been doing talks on loving kindness on and off. uh, for a couple of years now. And in fact, all of the love and kindness, compassion, equanimity, joy, not necessarily in that order. Uh, So here's a new series and this is a kind of, it's gonna run for four weeks every Thursday morning here in Thailand. And it's gearing up for a a 12 week online meditation program uh, that I'm offering. Uh, entitled awakened living hence the title of uh, this morning's talk so i'll just say a little bit about the program and then I'll, I'll perhaps do a bit of meditating and then i'll offer just a little bit of talk on, on uh, some of the topics that will be covered in the 12-week program in particular uh, what's known in the buddhist tradition as the four noble truths And part of that is the Eightfold Path. And I'll be uh, discussing a little bit about the Eightfold Path as well. So welcome. Welcome. So this 12-week program that I'm offering, it's entitled uh, Awakened Living, Meeting Life with Wisdom, Kindness, Curiosity, and Care. And the The idea is to engage in the teachings uh, and writings of the early Buddhist tradition. In fact, the first two or three discourses that the Buddha gave uh, when he first started teaching uh, will be kind of the DNA of the program. But then I'll be drawing on teachings from uh, all sorts of modern contemporary teachings, both the Mahayana and Theravada traditions Uh, Also, neuroplasticity, drawing from uh, teachings from Rick Hansen, Tara Brock, Jack Kornfield, uh, Stephen Batchelor, who's one of my favorites, and many, many others. So it'll be kind of a a stew, if you will, uh, of my favorite teachings in regards to the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path. So this 12-week program coming up, we launch December 1st and it goes until February 9th. Uh, We'll be meeting once a week on Tuesday evenings, East Coast time, 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. And there's a section two, Wednesday mornings, uh, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Wednesday mornings, again, East Coast time. And that's really designed to uh, cater to uh, mostly to europe which would be about one in the afternoon in the uk i believe or people who like a a later course uh, in asia australia new zealand and so forth so the topic will be suffering and the end of suffering and that's a, a quote from the buddha he's when he was asked what he taught he would often say i teach one thing and one thing only suffering and the end of suffering so we're going to take a a 12-week dive into that Uh, we meet as i said once a week and then there'll be study pods uh, that'll be offered throughout the week for you know these will be small groups maybe three or four people each group uh, at some point uh, that works for the group uh, to meet outside of the course uh, for anywhere from 60 to 90 minutes where that group is invited to go over uh, the topics that will be offered uh, when I'm there uh, on the Tuesday evening or Wednesday mornings. Now, for more information about the program, I don't want to go into that too much here today. I've already talked a bit about it, a little bit too long about it already. Uh, But for more information about that, please do visit my website, suchsweetthunder.org. And there's go to the retreats and programs page and you can find out all about our deep dive into the Four Noble Truths the Eightfold Path and the first two or three discourses that were given by the Buddha so the Four Noble Truths as it comes to us in the Buddhist religion basically you know if if you've studied Buddhism if you have a background in Buddhism this will be very familiar Uh, life contains suffering we suffer due to our craving Uh, we can stop craving and we do that by cultivating a path the Buddha said the Eightfold Path which contains in the traditional translation it would be right view right intention right speech right action right livelihood right effort right mindfulness and right concentration but many people have a kind of an aversion to this word right particularly in the West we kind of have this idea that that's implying that there's only one way to do it it's right versus wrong but that's not the intention here Uh, I prefer the translation complete Complete view, complete intention, complete speech. Um, I've often heard teachers say that you could think of it as right as in the right amount. The right amount view, intention, speech, action. I've heard other teachers, and I kind of like this as well, uh, consider it as if you're giving somebody directions. So that's the right way to go like that but really for me what speaks to my heart is complete view complete intention complete speech and so forth that really has this all you know it's complete it's all embracing like that and that really uh, plays into uh, my idea behind this course of where I can draw from teachings from all resources Uh, ancient and modern uh, any religion any faith as long as it's wise and skillful in regards to action livelihood effort mindfulness concentration that's really the the where we're setting the bar not because it's been given by a particular teacher or you know holds weight in a particular practice or faith but if it's wise if it's skillful if it leads to complete concentration, complete mindfulness, and so forth. That's all we need. So I've basically, and I've taken this from other teachers, uh, this isn't my formulation by, by any stretch, but I will be offering the Four Truths, as they're known in the Buddhist tradition, as four tasks to be accomplished. so and this comes from the buddhist text but it's not often given in this way most often we you know buddhists know the four noble truths as something to believe in if you're a good practicing buddhist you believe that life contains suffering or you believe that we suffer due to our craving that doesn't really help us to believe this that's fine It's fine to believe that and it makes a nice framework for our life, but, you know, there's something else there that we can be doing, right? There is a practice. We can put these tasks to work for us. And so here I'm really drawing quite heavily on uh, the work of Stephen Batchelor. Uh, So if you're curious about Stephen Batchelor's work, I highly recommend it. A very profound teacher, one of my favorites. Um, And uh, I'm drawing also from Thich Nhat Hanh and and, uh, some of the other greats. So to give a bit of background here, life contains suffering. And the task at hand with that is to embrace our suffering so the buddha said life contains and he used the word the pali word the sanskrit word dukkha and so dukkha has proven to be a a challenging word to translate for many it is most often translated as suffering but it doesn't really quite get at the full range of dukkha the literal translation apparently of dukkha is sort of the way uh an uh, an unfashioned wheel might fit into an axle so it has this like you know this kind of hiccup bump discomfort which you know if you had to sit in an ox cart that had a wheel that fit like that for several hours, that might get pretty intense, right? <laughs> and so dukkha is really referring to that whole range from the the you know the mild discomforts of life, the bumpiness of life, to the the very intense challenges that we might face and that we do face as human beings. So, the Buddha asked us to embrace Dukkha. And so, luckily for us, the Buddha actually went on to kind of explain what he meant by the word Dukkha. And so he said, uh, Dukkha is birth, Dukkha is aging, Dukkha is sickness, Dukkha is death. Dukkha is not getting what one wants. dukkha is getting what one doesn't want dukkha is being separated from those who are dear and dukkha is being close to those who aren't dear so there it is right a very intense large spectrum right from birth sickness aging and death to having to have dinner with the (laughs) in-laws Or, you know, our favorite team winning or losing the big game. Right? This, the small, trivial agitations of life that get under our skin to the existential sufferings of our existence. And so the Buddha recognized that this is life. And so he could see, and we can all see if we just look around at our own experiences, at others' experiences, how we're very typically caught in to the idea that we can somehow uh, manage our life in a way that we never experience the discomforts, that we only ever experience the pleasure, the joy, the laughter, the, the good things. The good times and that if we somehow arrange our life in in this magical way we'll we'll live in that state but that's impossible we know that's impossible and so it's just our reactivity to the discomforts of life that bring us to suffering And so that leads to the second task, is to not to let go of our craving necessarily, although craving is a type of reactivity, but to, to, to learn how we react to the discomforts of life. And, and in that seeing, we start to perhaps be able to step off of that wheel We start to untie that reactivity we start to let it go and so i often like to give a little example here of that of what that might look like and so for those of you who have heard me before you've heard this example and so i apologize for the repetition but you know i use this example as a baseline and i encourage you to scan your memories for your own example of this type of situation you can kind of see the the dukkha the arising the letting go which I'll talk about in a moment and perhaps ways we can cultivate a path which allow that to happen so in this example let's say I'm driving down the road you know everything's copacetic uh you know it's maybe mid-afternoon there's not a lot of cars on the road maybe this is like a seven lane highway right and this car comes veering off and and you you know screeching across all seven lanes to make their exit on time so of course you know i like have to swerve and hit on the brakes and then you know i pull over and I'm really agitated and, you know, you know, there's anger. The abdomen is clenching, the fists are clenching, the jaws clenching, getting perspiration on my face. That's the felt experience of the anger. And then my mouth opens. You know, maybe I roll down the window, you feel foul, foul, feel foul. And perhaps I give the appropriate finger that expresses my frustration further. That's the reactivity. And that is, you know, here in this kind of uh, reading of the Four Truths' of this task, that's what we're trying to let go of. That reactivity that leads to suffering suffering for ourselves and suffering for others. So, how do we do that? Well one way of letting go of reactivity and this is going to be the exploration of the 12-week course that I'm offering, is you know different techniques and ways. and so I, I don't have time, obviously here to, to unpack all of that now, but one way of freeing ourselves from this reactive pattern, is to notice the thinking that's happening, notice the storyline. Right In that situation where I got cut off, maybe the storyline is, you know, how could that guy be so careless? Where did he get his driver's license? I'm going to follow that guy and punch him out. All of those types of stories that, you know, we so very often pursue, whether it's that type of dialogue or something similar. It's the dialogue that fuels the emotion. And so the idea is to just recognize, oh, that's just thinking. And you can even just say the word to yourself, thinking, 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 as a way of cutting that, that never-ending spiral of, of angry thoughts, or whatever the emotion is, the thoughts that keep that emotion in play. Just using that word thinking, thinking, can slice through that repetitive pattern of thought. And so we say thinking, thinking, we let those thoughts go, we come back to the present moment. Feel into the body what's happening. And I mentioned some of the sensations that might be there already. Feeling the anger in the abdomen, the clenching of the jaw, the clenching of the fists. Really investigating the somatic experience That has many benefits, but one of the primary benefits here is that it also helps to slow those thoughts down. So when we're really feeling into the body, the thoughts tend to at least slow down. Some of the charge gets released from the thoughts. We're putting more energy into being present with the body. So if you can stay there, feeling the emotion eventually the emotion arises stays for a while and then passes and so that's the ceasing we're going to talk about that in a moment i just want to mention here that very often you know we can do you know embark on a practice like this and you know it can take some time to even just to get to a place where we can just say thinking thinking and let the thoughts go We've become so identified with our thinking process that we just buy into the, the stories. We just think that that's how it is. The, our thoughts are telling us a, a, a very accurate uh, view of reality, but arguably they're not. We can talk about that later, perhaps. So when we can, can get to a point where we can cut through the thoughts, feeling the somatic experience of the body then what might happen and quite often does happen is the thoughts come back and then we're back into you you might even feel the emotion come back stronger Thinking, thinking 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 letting that story go again coming back to the felt experience of the emotion and you might notice things about the somatic experience, like how it changes, you know. There's different there's types of fluctuations that happen as we bring our awareness and attention to the to the somatic experience. So that can help keep your awareness in that. Just to notice how yeah, there is clenching in my abdomen, but it's kind of moving around. There's kind of a, a, a gap in the in the upper part of the abdomen and and so forth, and you you start to notice some interesting things about the the felt experience of the emotion that can help keep you in that. So it's, this is leading to the third of the four tasks. Remember the the third ta- the third noble truth in the tradition of Buddhism is that we can let go of our craving. The way i the way i've come to understand these tasks is actually the the arriving of the reactivity and that whole arc the ceasing of the activity is a part of the second task and the third task is to behold the ceasing well what does that mean right So it really means to to acknowledge and to feel into what it feels like when that reactivity fades, because it feels good. There are some teachers, and I'm one of them, who consider that cessation of reactivity to be a moment of nirvana. One of my teachers likes to call that a nirvanic moment. And so that reactivity just is allowed to fade away. And then, ah, it feels good. It feels good that I didn't uh, pull the car over and punch that guy out for cutting me off, or that I didn't yell and scream and punch the steering wheel. And equally, it feels good that I didn't repress it back in my body, which also leads to suffering, right? But that third option is to just feel Feel the emotion in the body until it passes. Like that. And so I just want to read here from one of the texts that we'll be using. This is from the first teaching that the Buddha offered. And so we'll, over the 12-week course, we'll be uh, taking a deep dive into this. these paragraphs here. So, I'll, I'll be using some Sanskrit words, but I'll try to translate them as I go here. Such as dukkha, and I've offered a translation of that already. It can be fully known. It has been fully known. Such is samudhiya, the arising. It can be let go of. It has been let go of. Such is nirodha the ceasing, this is the arising and ceasing of reactivity. It can be experienced. It has been experienced. Such is the marga, the path. It can be cultivated. It has been cultivated. So the path is really just referring to a way of life where we can experience the arising of our reactivity and the fading of our reactivity more frequently and more easily Uh, that includes practices of mindfulness uh, in particular bringing mindfulness to the eightfold path which i read through a little bit earlier could also be practices of journaling yoga uh, forest bathing Uh, there are many many ways of cultivating a spacious heart that can hold our reactive patterns until they fade without causing suffering for ourselves and for others. So I'm going to continue here reading. So there arose in me an illumination of things previously unknown. And as long as my knowledge and vision was not entirely clear about these 12 aspects of these four tasks, I did not claim to have a peerless awakening. Only when my knowledge and vision was clear in all these ways did I claim to have such an awakening. There will be no more repetitive existence. And so, for the four tasks, embracing life or embracing dukkha, embracing or or, i'm sorry uh letting go of the arising of our reactive patterns beholding the ceasing enjoying the ceasing getting to know what the cessation feels like cultivating a way of life those are the four tasks and each task has is a three-part practice such as dukkha, so recognizing there is suffering. It can be known, can be embraced. It has been embraced, it has been known. And so forth. It goes through all four. And so there's a three part practice to each of the four tasks, which make 12, right? Uh, if my math is correct, I was poor in math. <laughs> Uh, And so the, the Buddha says, it was not until my knowledge and vision was entirely clear about the 12 aspects of the four tasks, for noble truths, whatever reading you prefer. So basically it boils down into suffering is to be comprehended, fully known, if you will, embraced. Craving is to be let go of, or craving is just a small part of our reactive patterns. Join me for some future talks, and I'll talk more about reactivity and craving. So our reactive patterns are to be let go of. That letting go, that cessation, is to be felt, beheld, enjoyed. And a way of life is to be cultivated. So that will be the task at hand for the 12-week program that I'll be offering. Uh, We'll be taking a deep dive into, you know, many, many different types of practices around getting to know, getting to embrace, uh, fully knowing our suffering, fully knowing Uh, The arising of our reactive patterns, cultivating a practice, a way of life which allows that reactivity to happen more and more, less and less frequently, allowing us to embrace that reactivity, allowing us to embrace the cessation of that reactivity more and more easily, okay? I've said that enough, and so I'm starting to jumble my words around that a little bit. Hmm. So maybe we can do just a little bit of meditating. I've talked a lot. And so uh, I'll offer just a little bit of a guided meditation practice, perhaps as a way of getting a taste of uh, letting go. So I'll ring the bell and I'll bring us into this guided meditation. Enjoy. And so the invitation here is just to arrive into this present moment. And we could arrive just by noticing perhaps the breath, taking a nice, long, nourishing, deep breath here. allowing the out-breath to be just a little bit slower or longer than the in-breath that slower longer out-breath often brings a sense of calm and stillness to the heart to the body to the mind so if you wish you can count the in-breath counting to three or four and on the out-breath counting to seven or eight you might wish to purse your lips to allow the out-breath to be a little bit slower I'll give an example of that so breathing in breathing out allow there to be just a little bit of a gap at the end of the out breath before breathing in again you could allow that gap to be maybe just two counts that gap on the out-breath really invites a sense of stillness and calm And so while we're here, noticing the breath, when it feels right to do so, just allowing the breath to return to its uncontrolled breathing pattern. Just breathing normally, naturally. You might wish to Bring awareness and attention to the rising and falling of the abdomen. And noticing if there's any tension or stress that's being held in or around the abdomen. Inviting that to soften and relax. You might also notice the rib cage expanding and contracting with each breath. The rising and falling of the shoulders as you inhale and exhale. You might notice how the back moves out on the in-breath and in on the out-breath. Shoulders rising and falling. The rib cage expanding and contracting. The abdomen moving with each breath. So just noticing how the body moves as the breath moves in and out. You might also notice the sensations at the nose and the back of the throat. Perhaps just noticing how the temperature changes from cooler to warmer at the nose and the back of the throat. And there may be other sensations arising. Perhaps sensations of clothing against the shoulders, the arms and hands resting against the body. There may be sensations of clothing against the legs, the feet against the floor. You might notice sensations arising throughout the face. Sometimes we might notice sensations arising from the top of the head, the back of the head. If there are no sensations there, that's okay. That's also an experience, so just notice that. So resting here in this open, spacious, present moment awareness. Sensations of the breath from the nose to the abdomen. And sensations arising throughout the body. And so here is a really good time to explore using that tool of thinking saying the word thinking to yourself each time you find yourself distracted by thoughts and once you notice the distraction saying thinking to yourself maybe twice or even three times if you wish gently returning back to the present moment and celebrating what it feels like to, to be here now. That's the cessation. That's the letting go. Each time you find there are thoughts distracting you, thinking, thinking, returning back to the breath, to the body. If you wish, you could consciously bring a thought into awareness. Something simple like, roses are red. The rain is wet. And just allow the thought to arise. Say thinking, which will help the thought dissolve and then feeling the return back. That's a, a very simple, low risks way of practicing the arising and the cessation. If you notice thoughts about what you have to do tomorrow or the grocery list, thinking, thinking. Notice how thoughts simply arise. And because they arise, they will eventually pass. We can hold the door open for these thoughts to exit just by looking at the thoughts and saying, thinking, thinking. if you're having thoughts about wondering if you're doing this right thinking thinking type of thought the quality of thought doesn't matter it's all just thinking returning back to the felt experience of the present moment What does the body feel like in this seated posture, or if you're lying down or standing up? What does it feel like the weight of my body in the chair or cushion or mat? What does the clothing on my body feel like? What does the breath feel like? Don't try to answer these questions, but allow the questions to gently reconnect you to the somatic felt experience of this present moment so in the next breath or two we'll shift away from this practice and back into a conversational space and i'll cue that by ringing the bell three times So thank you very much for for joining me in that guided meditation and if you're watching this on video and you want to stay in that longer uh, feel free to press pause now and you can stay in that as long as you wish but for those of us who are here live I I, I uh, recalled or remembered during that practice something else I wanted to offer around uh, suffering and letting go of our suffering and so forth and this teaching comes from the buddhist tradition as well but it's been offered pretty much every teacher that i study with has told some version of this story so uh, maybe you know this story you've heard this story you've heard something like this before so it's quite common so the buddha talked about a soldier getting struck by in some translations it says two arrows in other translations it says two darts i use the arrows for me that's more alive and so the image is is that this this poor soldier he gets struck by an arrow and then immediately struck by a second arrow and the buddha said we are like this soldier we're consistently Uh, sometimes very often throughout our day, getting nailed by these two arrows. And the first arrow, that's a given. The first arrow is symbolic or representative of just the natural struggles of our life. As the Buddha said, birth, sickness, aging, death, not getting what one wants, and so forth. But the second arrow is our reactivity. To the first arrow it's the it's the soldier saying oh, I've been struck by an arrow how could he do that why me and the resistance the arguable or the argument with the unarguables the resistance to what is that's the second arrow so I'll give a, a little example here another example of my life some of you might have had a similar experience or you get up in the middle of the night to, to go to the bathroom, and, you know, you know I, I do this sometimes. I've left something out in the middle of the floor, or perhaps the cat has dragged out a toy or something like that, and I trip, stumble a little bit, you know, and it hurts. You know, my toe, ow. You know, that's the first arrow. Can't do anything about that. You know, we, we contact something in a rough way, we're going to feel physical pain. But the second arrow that immediately comes is like, God, argh, how could I be so careless? Or, gosh darn that, you know, you know that silly cat. Why did she leave this toy out there? That's all of our. That's the suffering. And the Buddha, very, uh, very skillfully pointed that that we don't need to do that. That that second arrow is optional. And one way of doing that is how we just meditated, cultivating the ability to separate our thoughts from the experience of the present moment. Because all of that second era material is all here. It's all all here. And so we can just let that go And actually in that example of stubbing the toe you know if i can let those thoughts go and be in the present moment actually the toe starts to hurt a little bit more vividly but it bothers you less the sensation of the pain gets a little bit more vivid a little more strong but the second arrow isn't there the suffering is gone we can actually just be with what is with the truth of the present moment. And that is just a, a, a glimpse into how we can start freeing ourselves from our reactive patterns, how we can start freeing ourselves from our suffering. So I've talked long enough, we've gone almost an hour, 50 minutes or so, according to my clock. And I'm going to be back here again next Thursday at the same time, so I need more to talk about. (laughs) So uh, I'll save the rest for next week. If you found this at all intriguing or uh, there's some questions that came up around what I've offered, please do uh, message me through Facebook or Instagram or through my website, suchsweetthunder.org. I welcome any questions, any comments or concerns. If you are interested in the 12-week course that I'm offering around these teachings and other teachings about reactivity and letting go, uh, again, all of that information is on my website. If you want to go ahead and register for the course, that's great too. Uh, Just email me or message me and let me know and I'll get you signed up and, and ready to go. Okay, so I'll ring the bell to make it official. Thank you all again for being here. I love giving these talks. It's a lot of fun for me. Uh, If you haven't noticed Uh, so thank you for your energy your time and uh, for enjoying these uh, videos